Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every technology uh, and it's not even mercury retrograde. So I don't know what is happening today, but <laughs> Welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Janessa McKenzie, a business mindset coach and brand strategist, and I help online experts like you stop self-sabotaging their success and unapologetically build a badass personal brand that makes marketing and sales easy. It's my mission to show you how to become who you were created to be so you can share your talents with the world, make a difference, and create the income and impact you desire. So if you're ready to end your battle with self-sabotage, regain your kick-ass confidence, and create a business and life of your dreams, listen up as I hit the BS button on the notion that hustle and hard work are all it takes to be successful, and mix the woo with the strategy to help you create the mindset, messaging, and visibility you need to attract the clients and cash that you want, while unapologetically building a powerful brand from the inside out. Now let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here today with David Roylance, and we're going to talk about the path to enlightenment. David is, I'm sorry, David is a dedicated practitioner and teacher of, I might butcher this one, David Gautama Buddha? Gautama Buddha, or you can say the Buddha. Okay, the Buddha teachings. (laughs) And he's also been part of the Thai community since 2001. And he has not even slept tonight and he's up at 4 30 and he's here recording with us david welcome how are you today i'm very good thank you for inviting me on your show oh you're very welcome i'm excited that you're here tell us a little bit more about your story and how you you know came to to buddha and you know what you're where you are right now what's going on with you sure i grew up in america in the washington dc area And I came from a pretty turbulent household and pretty hostile, pretty aggressive, lots of anger. And as I was growing up, that's pretty much all I knew is in our community. And I, but I always kind of aspired for something different and something better. I always felt like the world should be a more peaceful place. You know, there shouldn't be mom and dad and sister and brother fighting and arguing and causing so many problems in each other's lives and You know, there was abuse in our family and all kinds of things like this that I just felt like there's got to be a better way of life and a better way of living. And when I spent time with my grandparents, I I experienced that. I experienced a loving, warm household. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, but I slowly kind of started moving away from my family as I became 17, 18 years old and started to become kind of friends with a lot of Asian people. It wasn't really a decision that I made. It just kind of happened. So I had a lot of uh, Filipino friends, Vietnamese friends, Chinese friends, Korean friends. And everyone always told me that if I ever met Thai people or I ever went to Thailand, that it would be perfect for me. And I thought they were mispronouncing Taiwan at the time. I didn't even (laughs) know what Thailand was. And Lo and behold, like a year or so later, I met a person from Thailand. And I was like, wow, it's a real place because here's a person from Thailand. And I ended up spending a lot of time with her and having her come stay with me for a bit and convinced her to take me back to Thailand in December of 2002. And this was, as a child, I had been outside the U.S. to Canada. 
but that's still North America. But this was the first time, you know, all the way on the other side of the world. Yeah. And I was just blown away by the culture, the depth of culture, you know, thousands of years of culture where America has only been in existence for a few hundred years, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not only did I see this depth of culture, but I saw this warmth and kindness and compassion and generosity and family members helping each other and supporting each other and large groups of people coming together and working together for a common goal. And everybody kind of being concerned that they would like to take care of others and kind of see others be well. And I didn't really understand what I had encountered in December of 2002. I just knew it was vastly different than anything I'd ever experienced in America. Mm. So at that trip, I had discovered Thai massage, and I decided to bring that back to America and started to offer Thai massage, and I had a Thai massage school, and I was still in the IT field, but kind of gradually transitioning to my own businesses as a business owner. And as I was teaching Thai massage, it wasn't just the technique. I also taught the Thai culture and what creates Thai culture and kind of the fabric of Thai culture is Buddhist teachings. So I started getting into Buddhist teachings and discovering that this was the real focal point. This was what was at the heart of Thai people and what made Thai society so warm and so kind and so generous and so loving and people so respectful of each other and taking care of one another. And I decided to move to Thailand and I eventually came here in 2015, but it was in the works for many, many years. And in 2015, I closed all my businesses in America and moved to Thailand and have been in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which is in the north part of Thailand since 2015. And now I've gone back to what I was doing in America, which rather than teaching Thai massage and Buddhist teachings, now I'm just sharing the Buddhist teachings. And having so, you know got rid of all my businesses and closed all of them, now what I'm doing is I'm sharing the teachings of the Buddha, and I don't work in terms of a career or making money but I share these teachings freely and openly to everyone who's interested in learning. And people support me with donations and things like this, but it's just very little money because I don't really need much here in Thailand. It's very inexpensive. But living amongst the Thai people, it really transcends your ability to understand these teachings because now I'm amongst a Buddhist society of people and you can observe people practicing the teachings which I didn't really understand 100% prior to moving here, is how the Buddhist teachings is you learn them with a teacher like me, but then you practice them and you see that they're true. So there's no belief in the Buddhist teachings. It's all about learning these truths. You practice what it is that is being taught, and then you see the improvements to the condition of the mind in the condition of your life right now. You don't have to wait until you die to see if you figured it all out correctly. You actually see the condition of your mind improving because you get more focus, more clarity, more concentration, more memory. The, eventually, you get to the point where once you've attained enlightenment, 
you no longer experience discontent feelings like sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, jealousy, resentment. All of these negative and unwelcomed feelings are eradicated from the mind through attaining enlightenment on this path that the Buddha shared with us. And that's why it's not based on belief that you can actually see the condition of the mind improving right now as you train your mind. So it's not a religion. It's a better way of life. It's a life practice. And if you implement it that way, then you can slowly, gradually gain this wisdom along this path to enlightenment and improve the condition of the mind, which also improves the condition of your life. Wow. So tell me more about enlightenment. What does, what does it mean when you reach enlightenment? What it means is you've eradicated all discontent feelings from the mind. And your mind resides permanently peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. So you no longer experience sadness or anger, frustration, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, resentment, jealousy, shyness, the mind has eradicated those feelings because we are actually causing those feelings, right? People don't usually realize this in the unenlightened state that we cause our own sadness and we cause our own anger. We cause the jealousy and the boredom because of what's going on in the mind. So because we cause it, we can actually eradicate it and eliminate it from the mind. And once you do, and as you do, you see the mind gradually improving. So something that made you like fiercely angry, you know, today, as you learn and practice the teachings, that goes down to frustration, to irritation, to annoyance. That same thing can happen that happened six weeks ago or six months ago. And like, wow. I didn't get angry at all at that because you've been practicing the teachings and you've been applying them in daily life. So you see the benefits and the improvements in your life and your mind has this permanent mental state of enlightenment where it's completely peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. And the mind has complete focus, concentration, deep memory, clarity of thoughts, You learn how to be very polite, very kind, very respectful, and very friendly with people. So there's no one that you look at as an enemy, or there's no one that you would necessarily avoid. You're able to very openly and freely interact with personal and professional relationships. So your life becomes very rewarding because you never have anything un- settling happen to you. Your mind is never shaken up with sadness or anger. Your mind is just permanently peaceful. And all the decisions that you're making in your personal and professional life lead to good, wholesome results. So this enlightened mental state, it is a way that you can eradicate all of this struggling and misery that we experience in the unenlightened mind, where we're bored or lonely or you know, we're we're wanting something that we don't have and, you know, we're craving all this happiness and excitement. The mind can just reside permanently peaceful, permanently calm, permanently serene, permanently content and 
permanently joyful. You wake up joyful, your day is all joyful, and you go to sleep joyful. You wake up peaceful, your day is peaceful, and you go to sleep peaceful. You just your mind is never shaken up. Wow, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> yes, I describe it like heaven on earth. Yes, <laughs> and for anybody who's followed Christian teachings, you know. Jesus said a lot of the same things as the Buddha did, but he used different language. So mm -hmm. what Jesus talked about with the Holy Spirit is somewhat e similar to what the Buddha talked about with enlightenment. But the difference is, is that the Buddhist teachings aren't based on worship. It's not based on rites and rituals and ceremonies and worship. There's no centralized organization that's collecting all the teachings and kind of distributing them out for everybody to practice. It's an independent journey. Mm -hmm. There's no obligation. There's no expectation. You don't have to go to some building every Sunday morning. Uh, there's no sin. There's no judgment. There's no fear. There's no guilt or shame. It's just you learning on this path how to make better and better decisions for yourself. And you choose what you would like to learn and how you would like to progress and how you would like to practice. But yeah, once you get to this enlightened mental state, it's very much like heaven on earth, mm. uh, but yeah. it's all an independent journey and you can observe the improvement of the mind, but you need teachers. Mm. And the beauty, the, the beauty about the Buddha is that he lived for, for 80 years and he was teaching for 45 years before he died. Mm. So, I think your podcast is an audio-only podcast, but I can show you. This is just one book of the Buddhas. Um, he has 45 books that are, uh, what is that, about four inches thick? Yeah, I was just going to say, for anyone listening right now, it looks like, like two encyclopedias put together. <laughs> yeah, so for 45 years of teaching, there's 45 volumes of these books, and you wouldn't read all of the books. And um, that's where you have a teacher, right? So you need this teacher to help you to learn and practice. So a teacher is further on the path than their students. So they're able to provide you the teachings in a way that you can understand and independently verify. And because the Buddha lived for so long and there were so many enlightened people and they had such profound memory and concentration the teachings were really well imparted into the minds of the people and they were handed down for over 2,500 years until today where these teachings are very well intact and able to be learned and practiced with teachers and you can experience this more enlightened mental state as you progress closer and closer to enlightenment. You see for yourself that it's actually progressing and happening gradually as you progress on this path. Yeah. So you, earlier you said, you know, that we are the ones that, you know, give ourselves these emotions, you know, we create these emotions inside of ourselves. And I would think that, and you've probably come across this in some of your students that when somebody first comes to you, it's probably a little difficult for them to, to look at themselves like that and say, Oh, it, it's me. <laughs> there is yes. no magic, anything like I have to do the work here and, you know, yes. put in the work to do the things. Yes, that's right. On the path. Yes. 
one way to think about the Buddhist teachings is it's the ultimate self-help program, right? So it's, and it's been around for 2,500 years, so it's well-tested, well-proven. It wouldn't still be here if it wasn't working, right? So it's this right. self-help program of you learning this guidance and independently progressing with this guidance with the help of a teacher. It's also one of the best self-responsibility and self-accountability because what you realize is that all the challenges and struggles in your life, you're actually causing them yourself. Mm -hmm. And by learning this wisdom and applying the wisdom of the Buddha, you see that life gets better for you and life improves. So therefore, when you take responsibility for these discontent feelings in the mind, when you realize that it, you're causing the anger, you're causing the frustration, you're causing the sadness, when you start accepting responsibility for that, then you get the power back that now you can eliminate it. Whereas if, if my wife is the one who's causing me to be angry, then I've got to train my wife to do things my way, right. which is like really burdensome, right? And then once you train her, then you've got to train your kids and you've got to train your neighbors and you've got to train 7.5 billion people in the world to do things your way, which yeah. is not going to work. So what you do is you train your mind to understand these natural laws of existence that were the same during the Buddhist time as now because his teachings are timeless because he taught about these natural laws of existence. So when you learn and train the mind toward these natural laws of existence, you only have to train one mind. You don't have to train 7.5 billion people to do things your way, which is impossible. You just train your mind. And by doing so, then the mind becomes more and more awake or enlightened. Mm, yeah. You're awakening the consciousness to this higher consciousness where you can function with that focus, concentration, clarity of mind, and memorization, and then you get that peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy where you no longer experience discontent feelings. And it's beautiful because you can see the progress for yourself. Yeah, so I definitely have some questions here. Sure, ask all the questions <laughs> you want. That's what this tradition is based on is the, the students asking questions. Yeah. So, you know, us as human beings, we have feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, to have, to be sad about something that happens, like say, um, God forbid, we lose a loved one, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine not being sad. Okay. So let's talk about why the mind is sad. When you, when you lose someone that's close to you, okay? So there's only one reason why people die. The reason why people die is because they are born. They need to die because nothing is permanent in the world. Everything is impermanent. If you are born, then you need to die. It's just a, a natural state. It's... A natural law that whatever arises is going to cease to exist. Mm. Nothing's permanent. Mm. 
You agree, right? Like your hair is constantly growing. The body's constantly changing. You've had different jobs, different incomes, different relationships come and go. Everything's always constantly changing. This is the universal truth of impermanence. Mm. Well, what's causing the sadness when someone dies is the mind craves permanence. Mm. The mind, the unenlightened mind, has this longing and this strong eagerness. We call this a craving, desire, or attachment. The mind has this craving, this desire, this longing with a strong eagerness for things to be permanent. And when the mind experiences impermanence, it then becomes discontent. Mm. Well, because everything in the world is impermanent, the mind is going to constantly experience impermanence. Mm, But since it wants permanence and it's not comfortable with change, Mm. when things do change, it produces these discontent feelings of sadness, anger, frustration. So even though on an intellectual level, you might know your mom needs to die, your grandmother needs to die because she's born. But because the mind is trying to hold on permanently and it has this longing and strong eagerness for things to be permanent. When mom dies, the mind becomes sad or lonely or bored or even angry sometimes when people die, right? right? But, but when you train the mind to understand impermanence, that everything's always constantly changing, and you train it this way, there's certain discipline of training that we use in order to train the mind you can then get very comfortable with impermanence. You're not going to be laughing and joking when mom dies, but you're going to be able to accept it because you know that it's part of the human condition. Sickness, aging, and death is just part of the human condition. And you've trained your mind to the point where you accept that mom has died and you start to appreciate the time you spent together you appreciate the lessons that she taught you. You appreciate the things that she's helped you grow up to accomplish and achieve. And the mind can then reside peaceful, calm, serene, and content because it understands that the only reason why mom died is because she had to, because she's human. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas if you've been taught that there's this supreme being that's punishing people, and is taking people away from you and killing people or taking people away to heaven, then you kind of are like, hold on a second. I don't like that. You know, my mind's sad now because this supreme being took my mom away from me. Mm. But that's not reality. That's not what what actually is happening. What's actually happening is just mom died because she was born. And if we want to get away from the whole death question and look at something even more simple, like say you buy a brand new sports car, it's shiny, it's red, you drive down the street, you park it in front of the store, you go inside and you come out and there's a scratch on the car. Well, one person could come out and be entirely angry and frustrated and looking to hunt down the person that scratched the car, Mm. right? This person is causing their own discontentedness because the mind is craving permanence. It wants this car to look permanently pristine. Mm. 
where yeah. another person could come out and say, huh, I got a scratch on the car. Thank goodness I got insurance. Let me yeah. go get it. Let me go get it fixed. So the same exact situation, one person reacted negatively to the scratch where the other person kind of responded to the situation. Mm. So the mind gets trained through these teachings that don't react with negativity, but respond with wisdom and make good decisions in order to lead to some good result, that it's not beneficial to get angry. There's no benefit in it. Right. Yes. And I've, you know, definitely since I have started a business, you, I, I call entrepreneurship the um, self-development with a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> because you, we are constantly looking inside ourselves because our business is like our baby, you know, where we birthed something into the world that came from nothing. And, yeah. you know, when we, um, you know, are trying to grow that and trying to nurture it, sometimes we get stuck, you know, within ourselves. So yeah. a lot of times, and even in life now, because I have done a lot of, you know, inner work, I, we're never done, I don't think, with, mm -hmm. you know, the self-development. But I do that same thing. Now, like, if I were to come out and there would be, like, a big dent in my car, I probably would have been, you know, before would have been like, oh, what the heck, and been mad about it. But, mm -hmm. and I teach my kids the same thing. I'm like, getting mad about it isn't going to fix it. Right. 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 And, and this is where these, these teachings and practices really can help a business owner and an entrepreneur. Because say, for example, you've got five or 10 calls with customers in a given day. And let's say the first or second call doesn't go so well and you got angry with the customer. Well, if you hold on to that anger, now it messes up the whole rest of your day yeah. and influences all the business calls that you're making for the rest of the day which has a snowballing effect that your business becomes less and less successful. Now, conversely, if you attain this mental state of enlightenment or as you're progressing, you're able to make good, wholesome decisions of how to talk politely, respectfully, kindly, friendly. You can have a really good, wholesome business conversation, maybe close a deal, maybe make a relationship, maybe leads to something else in the future. But let's just say it doesn't go well. Let's say you don't close the deal, even though you were thinking that you would. Rather than getting angry about that and letting it affect you for the whole rest of the day, someone who's practicing these teachings closely would be able to leave that on its own and not allow it to affect the rest of their day and then continue to focus with clarity, with concentration, and focus of the mind, and then be able to continue to be friendly, kind, polite, respectful with all their other customers so that you have this wholesome decisions that you're making, which is a positive snowball, and things are continuing to get better and better in your business because you're making better and better relationships. Because if you think about business, it really all comes down to relationships. Yeah. That's what it, it all comes down to, 100%. So what these teachings are all about is learning how to have really successful personal and professional relationships, but success in terms of not harming other people. 
not success in terms of I want your money, give me your money. Right. It's it's by not harming people, by talking politely and kindly and respectfully and friendly with people, then people feel more comfortable to be around you because you're not talking with arrogance and ego and you're being kind and you're being polite. So people are more interested to be personal friends with you or they're more interested to do professional business with you. So the money part will always work out if you're friendly, kind, polite, and respectful to all your customers. The money part will work out because people will be more than happy to do business with you. Right. But if you're, if you're going around and being arrogant and you know, harsh and aggressive and you're speaking you know, at the wrong time or if you, what you say is kind of a lie or you speak harshly or you speak in a way that isn't purposeful or beneficial – or if you speak with hostility, you know, rather than a mind with like loving kindness or something like this, or if you're blaming other people for things that are wrong in your life, then this is just going to lead to harming other people and they're not going to be interested to be around you. And you're going to find yourself having difficult personal and professional relationships. Yeah. Let's talk about overwhelm because I think that is a lot uh a big one for entrepreneurs, especially newer entrepreneurs who are just getting their feet wet. And there's lots to do when you open a business and, or start, you know, something online. There's so many things that you feel like you need to do or you have to do and to get them all done can feel overwhelming to a lot of people. So let's talk about how to get out of overwhelm, like using these teachings because this is I think that would be great <laughs> this is a great question so one of the things that we do in this tradition is we train the mind to be in the present moment mm. not to dwell in the past mm. and not to anticipate the future so in that example if I, you have a call that doesn't go well and you're dwelling in the past while you're having your business calls for the rest of the day, then the mind's going to be burdened by those past experiences. And you're not focusing with concentration and clarity of mind to address the issue at hand. So by training the mind in this way, where you have singleness of mind and the mind resides in the present moment, you're not dwelling in the past or anticipating the future, you can handle one thing at a time. Because oftentimes in business, the way that we've been taught in the past is to multitask. But what you learn in these teachings is the mind actually can't do more than one thing at a time. It's physically impossible for the mind to do more than one thing at a time. So if you're on the phone with a friend, you're watching TV and you're eating a sandwich, you're actually cycling through all of these things so close and so rapidly together that it appears you're doing three things at one time, but in reality, you're talking to your friend for a couple of seconds, you're watching TV for a couple of seconds, you're eating your sandwich for a couple of seconds. But when all of this is done, you don't really feel like you've actually had a conversation. You don't feel like you've actually taken in the content from the TV and you haven't really enjoyed the sandwich and your stomach might even actually hurt when you get off the phone. So you've actually caused more problems for yourself by trying to multitask and make the mind do all these three tasks, when in reality what you were doing is one thing at a time anyway, you yeah, just had yeah. things stacked so close together that it, there was this illusion as if you were doing three things at one time. Mm. 
So when you first start your business, if you've got a lot of things on your plate and you're trying to get them done, you shouldn't have this expectation that you are going to get everything done, right? Like people are oftentimes taught not only to multitask, but they're taught to come up with a to-do list and kind of list out everything you're going to do for the day. Mm. Well, if you if your only goal is to get through your list and you just plow through your list, you might not be doing each thing with really good focus and good concentration and making good decisions. That means that even if you get through your list, you're going to have things that you have to clean up later. So it's better to do one by one, do each thing one by one, do it with focus, do it with clarity, do it with concentration, make good, wholesome decisions. And if you only get three things done on your list, that's fine. Just do three things because you did them really well. And you're not going to have to clean up afterwards to fix all the problems that you created by just plowing through your list. So if you focus, first of all, if you don't have expectations and you just okay, I'm going to get good quality work done today. And then you stay in the present moment, which takes time to train the mind to do that Then do one thing at a time. Then you can add focus, clarity, and concentration to each thing and you get better results because you're making better wholesome decisions in each individual task rather than just plowing through all this stuff, multitasking, and you get to the end of the day and your head's spinning and you don't even know what you did and what you didn't do. Yes. Am I right? That's yes. what it's like, right? Yes. <laughs> and people are teaching that this is the way to run business. Mm. Well, if your head is sitting there spinning while you're trying to deal with your customers and you're still dwelling in the past and you're trying to multitask, good luck because the mind isn't designed to function this way. Mm. The mind is designed to function very optimally by doing one thing at a time with a lot of focus and concentration and clarity in the present moment. So what the Buddhist teachings are doing is essentially they're teaching you how the mind functions. And the more that you understand how your mind functions, you can bring the mind to this optimal mental state of enlightenment and function within that mental state. And not only do you know how your mind functions, but you know how other people's minds function too, because everybody's mind functions the same way. So this is how you can be very successful with dealing with personal and professional relationships, even if those people aren't practicing Buddhist teachings, when someone comes to you and they're sad or they're bored or they're lonely, you'll understand why and you'll be able to kind of give them some guidance and helping them. And people are very appreciative with that because you're able to help them in their life with these teachings of essentially training the mind and helping them understand how to live a better life. Yeah. That was a great answer. That yeah. Was a great answer. So yeah. let's talk about meditation a little bit. How let's talk sure. about how meditation works and you know what what does it do? Okay. So in order to progress on this path to enlightenment, you need a teacher and you need the teachings, which your teacher is going to have. They're going to have the teachings, and they're going to be able to guide you on this path. And again, we do this openly, freely. People oftentimes make donations, but there's no expectation for that. We just do this to help people in the world. So you need the teachings to learn those and practice those. And meditation is one of the foundational aspects of 
the life practice where every day, if you can, you know, you, you train the mind through meditation. And there's two primary meditations that the Buddha taught. There's hundreds and thousands in the world, but there's only two that the Buddha taught. And he's the one who discovered this path to enlightenment. So rather than try to learn 50 different meditations and doing those haphazardly, you just learn these two and you get really, really good at them and you deepen it. So what it does is it's training the mind. So what meditation is, is it's an active, dedicated, independent, purposeful training session where you're actively training the mind. And because the problem with the mind is that it's holding on. It holds on, right? That's why it's sad when mom dies. That's when it's sad when or angry when the scratch is on the car. The mind craves this permanence. It wants to hold on. It doesn't like when things change. So the primary meditation we do is called breathing mindfulness meditation. And what you do is while you're meditating, you focus on the breath. The breath is the present moment. And you're training the mind to come into the present moment rather than dwell in the past or in the future. And as thoughts come to mind during meditation, you let them go. You cut them off. You're training the mind to let go of the thoughts and just focus on the breath only. So it's a very simple exercise where for however many minutes a day, you choose to meditate, you're essentially training the mind that whenever thoughts come into the mind, you let them go. When the thoughts come in, you let them go. You let them go. So through this training, you then become very, very good at controlling the mind. So an unenlightened mind is untrained. It's like a wild animal. But through training the mind in meditation and the rest of these teachings, you now train the mind so that you can control it. So once you train your mind through meditation and you improve the condition of the mind, now in daily life, you have the ability to control the mind. Mm -hmm. So when that person cuts you off in traffic, rather than your mind unraveling and getting all shaken up and angry, you can let it go because you've trained in meditation very well over multiple weeks and months and years, you train the mind to be able to let go of things. So these teachings aren't about what's right or wrong. Oftentimes these traditions, people try to think that it's about what's right or wrong. That guy's wrong for cutting me off. Yeah, he is, but your mind's still angry. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the anger and making sure that you learn how to train the mind to let that go. Okay, the guy cut you off, but honk, you know, laying on your horn, getting out of a baseball bat, pumping the brakes, <laughs> that's not going to help the situation. So what this meditation is doing is training you to let it go. Or let's say you're in a business meeting with employees or colleagues, and somebody says something you disagree with, right? And you feel a little bit of frustration arising because you disagree with what they're saying. Rather than allowing that to come into your speech, where now you start speaking harshly and you start making problems in the business relationships, because you've meditated and trained the mind to let go, you can let it go. And then in the business meeting, now you can be friendly, polite, kind, respectful, and you can gradually share your opinions 
and kind of move the group in your direction of this better idea or this better decision that you have envisioned rather than sitting there getting angry and hostile and venting that at Barbara, you can now respect Barbara for her idea because she's taking the time to share it. And it's a valid idea that Barbara's sharing, but now with a calm, peaceful, content mind, you can share your thoughts and your opinions. And now you can kind of help people see your vision of where you would like to go with this decision, whether you're a boss or you're a manager or employee, you can more actively work with people in a friendly, kind, polite way with lots of respect. And people will then, the more that you show this polite, kind, friendly, respectful demeanor, people will actually respect you more because you're showing respect to everyone else. You're listening to people, you're hearing people out, you're appreciative of people's ideas, but then when they're done talking, you share your ideas. So you, because you're being kind and respectful to listen to others, they're going to be the same way with you over time. And now you can actively work with people to improve your life and improve your business and improve different things. But it all comes from meditation. You couldn't attain enlightenment without meditation. Mm. But attaining enlightenment isn't only meditation either. There's other aspects of training the mind besides just meditation. So meditation is the foundation, which is the active training of the mind that we do on a daily consistent basis. But there's other things that we do as well in terms of learning the teachings and applying them in daily life to move the mind to this enlightened mental state. Mm. Give me some examples. So I was just talking about speech, right? So the Buddha gives us this path. He calls it the eightfold path. The eightfold path is like kind of like eight steps of how you can not cause harm in the world. So he teaches us about speech and he says, he never tells us what to say because there's 10 million right answers. We'll figure out the right answer. But he tells us, you know, if we speak in this way, kind of general guidance, it won't cause harm to other people. Therefore, no harm is going to come to you. That's the natural law of gamma or karma, right? So he says with speech, he says, we should always speak at the right time. Because if we speak at the wrong time, we know that people don't like that when we start interrupting people. He says we should speak the truth. Always speak the truth. You know, he was such a, he was so, he realized the importance of speaking the truth so much that even when he tells a joke, he never lied, even when he tells a joke, right? So he said, you know, be a truth speaker, one to be relied on, not a deceiver of the world. Because if you build this reputation of always speaking the truth, then people are going to rely on you. They're going to see you as dependable. And when you speak, then people are really going to listen because they know what you're saying is the truth. The third aspect of speech, he said, we should speak gently, right? Like our tone and our word choice should be gentle. He said, when we speak, we should speak beneficially with purpose, not just idle chatter or frivolous speech or gossip or slander, right? We should, because if we gossip and slander others, 
they're going to be gossiping and slandering us. It's going to come back to us. So we should speak with benefit and purpose. And then he said we should speak with a mind of loving kindness, which is like active goodwill towards others without judgment. And he said we shouldn't blame people for things that are going on. So in a group environment where you've got lots of employees, maybe our team underperformed. Rather than getting into that meeting and blaming who's at fault, let's just all work together and find out what the solution is. Yeah. Because yeah. the fact that we underperformed, that's already in the past. That already happened. Sure, we can look at it from a insight perspective of what can we do better, but why make Barbara feel bad that she was sick for five days or that her child got you know sick and she had to take care of her child? There's no reason to blame. We're a team. Let's work together. Let's focus on the solutions rather than any kind of problem, right? So not only do we use meditation, but we use this eightfold path as guidance, as a way of not causing harm to others, so that by refining our speech and our actions and the way that we conduct ourselves in daily life, we won't cause harm to others, and we can very actively work to help people and improve the quality of our decisions which is going to improve the quality of our life by making better and better decisions with this wisdom. Yeah. And I think when you improve the quality of your own life, you're also improving the quality of everyone's life around you. Everyone that you have impact with, it's a big ripple effect. Absolutely. That's an important point because one of the things that we're taught in Western culture, at least I was growing up is we're always taught to think of everybody else first. Mm. And we're almost taught like it's selfish to think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of go around in Western culture trying to help everyone else. But we kind of neglect our own needs and we kind of become an empty vessel to a certain degree where we can't even stand up on our own two feet because we've expended so much energy trying to help everyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, this practice, these teachings turn that around and say, if you don't prioritize yourself, How can you be good for anyone else? So by improving your life and improving what you do on a daily basis, it's going to have a ripple effect to the people who are around you. And that's what's going to attract more and more people to be around you in terms of personal friends, employees, people to help you in your career and things that you need in terms of customers and things like this. Because by you not harming people in the world, people are going to gravitate to you like a magnet because you're never angry. You're never frustrated. You're never irritated. You never talk unkind to people. You're very polite, very respectful. And people are just pleased to do business with you or people are pleased to be a friend of yours or people are pleased to be involved in your project as a contractor or an outsource provider because they always have good experiences with you and everything always turns out well. Yeah. So I want to talk uh, just a, another thing that I just want to say about meditation real quick. <laughs> so sure. I have attempted, <laughs> mm-hmm. attempted to meditate and totally have a wild, untrained mind over here. That's so, normal. <laughs> yeah, it is normal. And I always have a hard time, like, I guess maybe I just don't understand what it means to let go of thoughts. So uh, in my Mm -hmm. head, like meditation to me, 
when somebody says you need to clear your mind and like not have thoughts. And I'm like, how, how do you not have thoughts? I, this is good. (laughs) Yeah. I'll help you. This is why a this is one of the reasons why a teacher is so important, right? Mm. You wouldn't be able to attain enlightenment without a teacher. Um, they're, they're like a coach, they're a mentor, they're, mm-hmm. they're somebody who's guiding you on this path. So and you're going to have a million and one questions as you progress on this path. So what it means is you're always going to have thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a human being with a mind. You're always going to have thoughts. But what you do is you train the mind to not allow the thoughts to control you but you to control the thoughts. So when you're in meditation and a thought arises, let's just say you had something really pleasant happen in the past and the mind starts daydreaming and reminiscing about the past. Well, rather than let the mind go there and on this journey for five or 10 minutes and feel so pleasurable from all these things that happened in the past, as soon as you observe the mind's moving to the past, you cut it off. You cut off that thought and you bring the mind to the breath. Mm. The breath is the present moment. So when, the, when you close your eyes and you're breathing in through the nose and you hear that sound in the, in the mind mm. or the sensation of the air moving over the nose, that's where you fixate your mind. You fixate the mind on that breath, which is the present moment. So it becomes like an anchor. So that when the mind goes to the past and you notice it, you just cut it off or let it go and you bring the mind back to the breath. And then the mind is on the breath for 30 seconds or a minute and it's going to wander into the future again. And then when you notice it, you cut it off. And over time, you'll get better and better and better at noticing that the mind is wandering instead of sitting there and indulging for five or 10 minutes, letting it wander into the past you're going to notice it in three seconds or five Mm -hmm. seconds. And then boom, you cut it off and bring the mind to the breath. And now you have control over the mind. And you've done that so many times, you get very proficient at controlling the mind. So once again, when you're in that business meeting with Barbara and she's speaking of an idea and you feel like it's not the best idea, you have the patience to just cut off your thoughts that you really want to talk, you really are interested in sharing your idea, rather than just jump in and and interrupt Barbara, you cut that off, let Barbara finish, and then when she's done, you can politely speak and now share your thoughts. Or if what Barbara is saying is frustrating you, because you have trained the mind so well, you can cut that off because you've done it in meditation and you focus the mind on the breath. But it takes some time to kind of accumulate the benefits. It's not like you meditate one time and then boom, you get the benefits right away. It's a gradual progression of of training the mind and seeing it move towards the point where you can control it more. Mm. But you're always going to have thoughts in meditation and even outside of meditation. You're going to have thoughts, but it's learning how to control the mind that you don't allow the mind to be controlled by the thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, because right? it's very easy to just let your mind wander, as they say, right? And right. daydream and you just think about something, you don't even like realize where you are anymore sometimes. 
Like I know I, I sit on my porch in the morning sometimes and I drink my coffee on the porch and sometimes I'll just, you know, stare at the trees moving or whatever. And you just kind of get almost hypnotized by it is what it feels like. And your mind just starts thinking about all of these things. Sometimes I don't, that's when I get my best thoughts sometimes though, is mm -hmm. when, when I'm not trying to think about anything else. Like it's just, I'm just like opening it to whatever possibility is out there. Meditation and training your mind is more about staying right in the present so that when, you know, when you get that overwhelm or frustration, you can, you know, cut that off and say, okay, what, you know, I, I need to do this right, right this second and let everything else go. Right. I'm glad you brought up about when you're just sitting there kind of mesmerized by the trees, that's when your best thoughts come. Because at that moment, you have what's called singleness of mind. You just have singular focus and concentration. So this is what you build in meditation is this singular focus, this singleness of mind. You're moving out all this clutter. So rather than allowing the mind to dwell in the past or the future or all these thoughts and ideas coming to the mind, you move aside all this clutter so that now the positive, wholesome thoughts can come into the mind. Whereas if you're in a business meeting and you're kind of daydreaming and you're thinking about the, your vacation that's coming up two weeks from now, you're not going to be right on point and making really good decisions for right now for your business. Whereas if you have this singleness of mind and you've moved out all that clutter and you're just residing in the present moment, now the good, wholesome thoughts can come into the mind and you can use that for beneficial purposes to make really good decisions with your employees and your other stakeholders in your business. And now you can apply that focus and clarity of thought to good, wholesome decisions and they'll have really good, wholesome results. So it's when you cultivate that singleness of mind and you move aside all this clutter and miscellaneous stuff in the mind during meditation that then you can take that benefit with you in your daily life where now your mind's completely clear and because you're no longer experiencing anger and sadness and all of these other discontent feelings, those feelings aren't coming into the mind, your mind never gets shaken up. Mm -hmm. So it can reside in with this single focus and this clarity so that you can not sleep last night at 4.30 now and have a conversation with you at 4.30 in the morning, having not slept last night. And I can be just as focused and clarity and concentration now as I was yesterday, right? Mm. So this is how when you train your mind, you can now apply it to beneficial things, whether it's a business meeting or personal relationships or having a podcast interview with you in America. So right. at there's in all the <laughs> yeah, there's all these benefits of moving this clutter out of your life and just having this singleness of mind mm -hmm. rather than trying to multitask and rushing through your day to get everything done. Just do one thing at a time is a good way to approach this. But there's so many other teachings that you need to learn besides what we'll be able to cover here on this talk. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and you say, you know, one thing at a time. But the trick is one thing at a time without thinking about what's next or what yeah. thinking about what you just did. Right.
Yeah. And that's where the meditation comes in. Because if in the morning for 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long you do it, and maybe in the evening for the same amount of time, if you're training the mind to have that singular focus and you're doing that on a daily, consistent, dedicated basis, and you just get into this habit of training the mind to be in the present moment, have this singular focus, and not be cluttered with all this stuff, and you do that, you're going to see the truth for yourself that it works. That's why these teachings aren't based on belief, because you see the proof is in the pudding that your mind becomes more clear and more focused. So... By you doing this on a daily basis, either once a day, twice a day, some people do three times a day, up to you. But by you doing that and seeing the condition of the mind improve, then you're going to have that for yourself in daily life and you'll reap the benefits of having done so. Mm. Awesome. That was a, this was a great talk, David. I really enjoyed enjoyed it a lot. Uh, do you have yeah. any last thoughts for anybody or last pieces of wisdom that you would like to share? I would just like to invite you and all your listeners to reach out to me if they would like to learn, because I have lots of resources that I offer, like I said, openly and freely to everybody. I have a book that is downloadable for free. I have an audio book that I give away for free as well. I have, of course, YouTube videos. I have a podcast. I have a online classes twice a week where you can tune in live and ask questions and learn live and online classes. I also offer personal guidance where people can schedule an appointment and online and we can have a video chat or an audio chat and I can give them personal guidance. And there's all these resources. And then I have retreats and things like that here in Thailand as well. And because all of these teachings are offered openly and freely, there's really no barrier to entry, right? Yeah. Like the only barrier is your own dedication and commitment. So if people yes. would like to go to daily, I'm sorry, go to uh, buddhadailywisdom.com, at that website, they can launch into our Facebook group or our podcast, or they can download the book. They can get all access to the resources that they would like in order to start on this path and just gradually start implementing these teachings to see the truth for themselves, that it works. Yeah, that's amazing. And I know I have all the links to all of your things. So I will definitely link all of those things up in the show notes. But David, again, thank you. Thank you for being up and staying up. <laughs> no worries. And My for pleasure. Sharing- sharing all of your wisdom with us. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you again. Thank you to all your listeners.